And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me again this week is Dr. John Vance. Hello. Well, uh, we have the same situation this week as we did last, and that is uh, we have a dog three rooms down uh, in this basement, and you may hear her barking over the air. So our apologies, but that's what happens when you cram everything into one little space. Well, uh, today we're again talking about different personalities and news items. Perhaps, John, uh, you could share with us a little bit about one of the recent news stories is Pope Francis. Um, of course, here at Redeemer, we are Protestant. However, we um, we don't bash our Catholic friends, and many of them love the Lord Jesus, the same Lord Jesus we love, and uh, where at all possible, the Scriptures tell us we are to be at peace with all men. It's quite evident that one of the... Um uh, trends among Christians is that we're all kind of being shoved together by circumstances in the world. How true. And uh, we have Catholic brothers and sisters that we feel much more comfortable with and have much more in common with than we ever imagined maybe mm-hmm. 50, 60, 78, 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the pressures of society and the hostility toward Christians have mm-hmm. uh, pushed the numbers of, of us together, uh, these forces have. And uh, so, obviously, uh, what takes place in the uh, Roman Catholic tradition and what takes place in our Protestant traditions and the Eastern Orthodox traditions are important. Yes. And uh, great things are going on, but at the same time, it's uh, our appreciation for each other sometimes uh, has been foisted upon us due to uh, the pressure from the outside. Reminds me of a quote someone uh, made reference to the church and someone may not like this quote too well but Mm -hmm. uh, it it has its own benefit and here it is someone has likened the church to Noah's ark Uh, you could not stand the smell on the inside if it were not for the conditions on the outside (laughs) so uh, we are able to if you will uh, sense a greater aromatic uh, smell from all quarters today (laughs) on the inside due to the fact that their yeah. conditions on the outside have uh, just simply forced us to learn to appreciate one another. Now, uh, not knowing a lot about the Roman Catholic Church, um, someone might say, um, um, how could this guy, the other pope, step down and a new one take over? Uh, didn't they have to die first? Uh, what's the answer to that question? There's nothing in canon law or anything that says that you can't. Okay. And uh, that, that's quite clear. Otherwise, uh, of what now would be, I guess, be uh, is back to Ratzinger. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. uh, Pope Benedict stepped down. Uh, the the magisterial and um, a jurisdictional primacy that the Roman Catholic Church claims for uh, the Pope uh, is only active if the person is actually sitting on the See of Peter. So, therefore. Uh, you could resign, but uh, mm-hmm. Benedict is is um, well. He's not an ordinary a Christian. He still has. Uh, he's a bishop, uh, and he's retiring for study and so forth. Uh, he he does not have the authority uh, nor the power that he had, and now that has been transferred, of course, to the one who sits uh, uh, on the seat of Peter, and that is uh, the new pope, who happens to be a Jesuit. 
Francis. A Jesuit. A Jesuit. Oh. Francis. Not Francis one, by the way. He's mm-hmm. the first Francis. So it's. I heard some of the news commentators calling him Francis one. There can't be a Francis one until there's a Francis two. <laughs> But he is Francis, Pope Francis. That's interesting. Um, so you're describing this the way the Roman Catholics would see it. And yes. trying to be faithful yes. to yes. fair to their views. Fair to their views, yes. Okay. And that's that's absolutely necessary. Uh, and, and I would hope that uh, that would be returned when describing Protestant theology, Very particularly good. Reformed tradition, that you, you put the most charitable construction on your descriptions of your brother or sister in Christ – uh, and then if you have a quarrel with the issue, you can quarrel from a position of fairness. I found myself, um, you know, even as a Protestant, realizing that the tremendous influence that uh, Catholicism has in this world, um, hoping for the best in the selection of this pope and even praying that the Lord would uh, direct uh, his selection, because these guys really affect things in this world. Well, there are about uh, 2.2 or 3 billion Christians, according to the Pew Research Foundation. About half of those are Roman Catholic. Wow. Um, Protestants and Eastern Orthodox make up the other half. The Protestant uh, side is really growing, though, in many parts of the country due to the uh, Mm -hmm. movement of Pentecostalism in some of the third world countries. Uh, so it may be that Protestantism in general will continue to grow at a very rapid rate. But at this point, Roman Catholics are about half the world's population. And in this country, there are about 70 million Roman okay. Catholics, about 23, 24 percent of the population, about 150 mm-hmm. million Protestants. So uh, it's it's important that we learn to get along and yes. learn to fellowship together and appreciate each other because the forces of secularism and of paganism really are growing. And in one sense, uh, there is the rule of, of ideas that are not Christian, and we've almost reverted back in many quarters to paganism. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, the other day I mentioned uh, when we were here the number of books that you brought into. Uh, our session, A Plain Answer, and uh, even today there's books sitting around here, and um, I think our point, one of our points last week was how important it is to be studious and um, to to read. Uh, there's this little quip that goes something like this, those who read, lead. Yeah, those who read, lead, and I think there's a good deal of truth to that. I would hope some of our pastors who may be listening out there uh, would also uh, take the challenge to be uh, studious in mm-hmm. their approach uh, to the ministry. It's not all just rah, rah, rah. Uh, that doesn't last too long. In the long run, we have okay. to affect culture. And in order to to have an impact, a salt and light in our day, we must be, as the Apostle Paul or St. Augustine, well-read and equipped to encounter what we have before us Mm. because the forces of darkness, if you will, uh, are not just simply wished away. Uh, They have to be confronted, and in order to confront them, we have to understand what is going on. And we sincerely want, you know, if we're going to be faithful to Christ, we sincerely must want our fellow pastors and, and sister churches 
in various denominations to be, quote, successful. Yes, we do. To see the Lord moving in their midst, people coming to Christ, and being discipled in the things of God. Uh, I went to my high school reunion about uh, four years ago. We have one every five years. I think we got one coming up next year, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard anything about it. Uh, And I had a a counselor from the University of Michigan. He was a counselor. He was married to one of the the uh, my classmates, uh, uh, and uh, so he came up to me. She introduced me to him, and and we started talking. And he said, and and they were new Christians, and they were enthusiastic, and they were in a church that uh, doesn't appeal to me too well, Vineyard Church, something like that. But it's all right. Uh, but they were in a church that would not appeal to me. Sure. The point was, uh, he asked me the question: "Is what are you reading?" Oh, that's neat. And I thought, you know, this is a new Christian. I don't know what I can tell him that would relate to him. Yeah. And I thought and thought, and he said, have you read this? I said, no. Have you read this? I said, no, I haven't. And these are all little light devotional books and here and there and popular writers. And I said, no, I'm sorry. I I just haven't read any of those people. And finally, (laughs) I said, well, uh, recently I did read something from C.S. Lewis. Yes. And he he related to that, but then yeah. I, he said, "Well, what else are you reading? What are you reading? You you, yes. you you do teach and stuff." I said, "Well, I'm reading <laughs> Freud. Yep, uh, I'm reading uh, Confucius, mm-hmm. and I'm reading a lot of people to teach my classes." Yes, and I said, "I do read Christians, but usually they they they've been dead five hundred years." <laughs> Isn't that cool? I want to say, <laughs> I, I love the fact of reading the older authors um, that have stood the test of time in their writings and teachings. I did go and tell him the only modern person I was reading that he might know was Jonathan Edwards. Oh, yes. <laughs> He's been dead for 200 years. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the val- there is tremendous value in reading some of these older um, men of God. Um, I think of, uh, you know, one of the classics is um, Calvin and the Institutes of the Christian I, Religion. I would suggest anyone... Who, who wants a, a magnificent education in all mm. loci of Christian doctrine points, that is, to read John Calvin's yeah. magisterial, if you will, magisterial work, The Institutes of the Christian Religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage you to read St. Augustine. Uh, he never gets old. No. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, in, in uh, many uh, his wonderful works, uh, Martin Luther, uh, I even read uh, John Wesley. I mm-hmm. grew up Methodist, mm-hmm. and uh, that's right. I forgot about terrific. That. That's right. Yes. Now I, I also re- read other things, of course, but I also don't think you can do apologetics without understanding the other side. Good point. That's why I read someone like Freud. I don't want people right to give me a stereotypical view. I want to understand him for myself. Mm-hmm. Good point. Well, those are some good principles to use as we try to train ourselves. We are going to take a short break now. I see we're on. we've run over time here. It's time for a break, and we'll be right back. Stay with us. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? 
Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me today is Dr. John Vance. Our uh, subject today has many facets to it. It's almost as if we're sitting in an easy chair just discussing things. And um, we're just pulling you all in with us. I hope you're enjoying it. John, could we uh, change the subject just a little bit to talk about politics? Um, Some people say that... um, because of the wall of separation of church and state, uh, that um, they would urge us as Christians to completely stay out of the realm of the political. Um, what what do you say? Well, I, I think fortunately I have been a student of of St. Augustine, and I have formed some very strong opinions about how Christians are to engage society. Remember, we have no choice. Jesus said that we are salt and we are light. Mm. You're the light of the world, shining in darkness. So we must engage the world. Now, with respect to the church, I don't want to see the church directly itself engaging the world. I want to see them teach and preach uh, the gospel and to build people up in their most holy faith so that they will have a Christian mind. That's the role of the church as a teacher, as a mother. Christian mind. To think Christianly, have a Christian worldview, to be able to analyze things from a Christian standpoint. Mm -hmm. But remember the Christian, while they are citizens of heaven through the church, they also are citizens of the earthly city uh, through their membership, if you will, in the body politic. Right. You have a right and a franchise to exercise your citizenship and in a political way, as a Christian, mm-hmm. because atheists do it, pagans do it, Buddhists do it, uh, Muslims do it, people to New York Times do it all the time. <laughs> and so, therefore, why would you think at all that you are circumscribed politically as a citizen? Yes. You are not. Right. You can even form political societies and organizations from a Christian perspective, not from the church perspective, but just as association of Christians, mm-hmm. to be able to deal with what's going on in your society. Say the family, for mm-hmm. instance. You have as much right as anyone to engage our society on these great moral and political issues of the day. Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, hopefully the Christian will look at things very honestly and uh, in a relatively unbiased way, um, you know, get to the facts. I, I, I like to think of it this way, as a, as a scholar would go back to the source documents and form uh, very careful opinions. So we as Christians need to look at the facts and um, based on um, the gospel of Christ and his righteous laws, form our opinions. 
you have to be a student. You know, the word disciple uh, comes from a word which means, of course, discipline. And discipline, in this case, means to be a pupil or a student in the school of Christ. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, I don't think we're taking our discipleship seriously uh, if we are not willing to try to understand the times in which we live so that we can apply Christianity to it. And we have a right to do that. We can apply. There, Christianity uh, is compatible with certain political and social views and not with others. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, family life. Uh, as far as uh, most Christians are concerned, as far as I am concerned, uh, a family is not something that we can just simply make up out of our imagination. It is a product of nature and reason. And, and of course, we believe as Christians, God instituted uh, the family. But it's, it's, it's a natural institution. It's just like a rock or a tree or whatever that God made. Mm. Therefore, we have a right to speak to that issue. I do not think that any other kind of arrangement can work except what God has established. Using that illustration, it's really impossible to redefine marriage. It's really impossible. Marriage is one thing. Yeah. Now, you may want to co-opt the word, sure, but it may, makes no difference. It's just a label if it's not it intrinsically marriage. <laughs> Good point. The world, I heard you mention that. Um, for some who maybe come from um, particular traditions within Christianity, maybe they're a little bit afraid of the world, maybe a little bit afraid of getting dirtied by this world as we maybe as individuals become politically involved. Uh, I have two things to say about that. One is we live in a fallen world, and God, as long as he leaves us here, wants us to live in a fallen world. Yeah. And we do get sullied. I, I, I don't question that. But how do you gain the confidence to be able to engage the world? Well, first of all, you have to have something on your side to feel confident about. I think you do have to study. We've talked about that now for two weeks here mm-hmm. in this program and last week's. I think you do have to understand the scriptures. I think you do have to understand the times in which you live. Mm-hmm. So you know how to apply Christianity. You know how to be Christian in your society, in your place. Now, uh, I actually relish the idea of engaging the world myself as a Christian I've come to the place in my life where I'm confident that the Christian worldview and what Christ has taught us is indeed true, and it works, and it's the only one reality that there is, and Mm -hmm. everything else is unreality. And if you believe that, why would you be afraid of Mm -hmm. confronting the darkness? And all you have to do if you doubt that is um, approach end of life, and you start seeing your friends passing on, and you start going to more and more funerals, and you realize, wait a minute, if you haven't realized it by now, hopefully you then realize it, that eternity is real, mm-hmm. death is real, and um, we have a Heavenly Father who loves us and gave His Son for us, and that is by far the most important thing in this world. C.S. Lewis, we talked about last week, says that the key to the universe is moral law. Mm. Uh, we, we don't think of defying gravity. If you throw a ball up, it comes back. Otherwise, you couldn't play football, baseball, or basketball. Right. It's just the way it is. If if gravity were not true, and some of the other forces that hold things together or push things away, are we would have meteorites crashing into us all the time. Oh yeah. Now the same thing in the moral realm. Uh, 
truth-telling is a moral law, if you will. And a society cannot work without a certain level of truthfulness being told. Can I ask you this and interrupt? Maybe um, I've increasingly become uh, leery of um, the news media, and particularly some political figures. When I hear them talk, I think, okay, are they telling the truth now, or is this a lie? Have you noticed that? Oh, uh, absolutely. I th- political expediency rules. Yeah. Uh, and, and so a person will say anything to gain power or to keep their position. It's very hard to hear truth being talked about by our political leaders right now. It's a scarce commodity. It is. And one of the reasons that uh, it works is because so few people uh, have enough information or care enough to to study the issues Mm -hmm. and and, and sort through the fog. But that is – it's hard work sometimes, but it has to be done. Or or some of of the um, hosts of the shows have an axe to grind. For example – as sad as it is, the other day, uh, maybe a week and a half ago, there was a stabbing on a, on a college campus in Texas, and one news agency was covering the facts, and they, they were talking about it and, and all that was going on. I happened to check another news agency that's known for their liberal slant, um, just out of interest. I just wanted to see what they were doing with it, and sure enough, yeah, they covered the news. Then the host said, now, uh, how far away is this school from the other school where there was a shooting? And I thought, what's that got to do with it? Mm-hmm. You know, she wants to bring in the whole gun debate. Well, that wasn't the purpose. You, you need to report the news. Stop, stop trying to push this uh, anti-Second Amendment uh, perspective that you have. I, I hope people understand today that one of the reasons that, uh, uh, though we have a free press, uh, quote a free press yes. unquote <laughs> quote uh, it is ideologically driven and therefore uh, what is suppressed is those things that do not fit their ideology right. take the take the uh, trial that is going on in Philadelphia over the abortion doctor mm-hmm. it's not being covered at all in the national news oh I've hardly heard anything uh, about it's it. it's heard on a couple of outlets that are conservative outside of that you don't hear it can you quickly summarize what uh, is at stake there well uh, th- this doctor uh, was having his nurses after the babies were born mistakenly alive. They had to kill the baby after it was born. So here they are. They're outside the womb. They're born. They're alive. It's what you call a botched abortion. And so then he has his nurses execute the the live baby. And by our law, that is murder in this case. And he's being tried. And there are a number of situations like suppressing or shaping the news. Uh, The New New York Times um, is probably still uh, our most respected Mm -hmm. news outlet. I quit reading the New York Times 20-some years ago mm-hmm. because I realized that they were suppressing and shaping the news so much to their own ideological bent that I had to go to other sources and, and learn for myself uh, what was really going on. Uh, and, and this goes way back even to Walter Cronkite for me. Uh, he was certainly shaping the news uh, uh, during his tenure, mm-hmm. maybe not in a blatant way that it is today, but I just finished his biography <laughs> and uh, fortunately, uh, I, I did read it because uh, it confirmed what I knew to or suspected to be uh, true at the time. That's interesting. Now, I see we're getting a little short on time already. How about one more subject we can talk about here in our easy chairs today? 
Well, let me mention three things real quick. First <laughs> of all, I think Obamacare is an attack upon uh, religious freedom. Mm. And that's still that plank in there that's forcing religious institutions, particularly Roman Catholics, mm-hmm. uh, to conform has not been withdrawn. No. That is a great threat to our society. And I also feel that if you control the health care, you're controlling such a large segment of our society it, it becomes oppressive. The greatest danger to Christianity today in America is is uh, utopian statism. Yes, and um, it, it's inimical to freedom of the and liberty. And and uh, I, I here's the way I would put it: There are lots of young people out there who think that they have sexual liberation; they've got everything. Yes, the truth is that leads to bondage, and the other kinds of liberation that they think that they have or freedom. Uh, is being closed down around them uh, at every juncture. Mm-hmm. We do have, uh, and I'm going to, to state this, and I don't believe that I'm overstating the case, we have a true threat to individual liberty and freedom in this country. You say, why am I concerned? Because I'm a Christian, and I want to be able to see uh, us to be able to continue to proclaim the gospel, Amen. to raise the money necessary to do so. There's even an attack upon charity and its giving today. Oh, good point. And the new uh, budget uh, that is being released uh, by the president. Mm. Uh, I hope people will get up to speed on that. Yes. Uh, These are bald attacks upon what we took to be basic uh, freedoms that we had. And uh, I have never seen anything like it in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I'm older than most of the listeners out there. So, um, in summary, um, be informed. And uh, just really quick, where do you seek out uh, information on the news regarding what's happening? Do you use the Internet a lot for that? Almost solely. Okay. Almost solely. Um, I I have to get a balance to what I'm hearing. I don't listen to the three major news networks anymore. They're so biased. No, I don't listen to them. You can't can't figure out what's Um, true and what's false anymore. uh, Very simply, the first thing I do every morning is look at Drudge. Okay. And go from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read some Christian websites. I read some uh, websites. I, I, I read the London Daily Mail. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, and some other papers outside of the U.S. Yes. So if you have a computer, you're blessed because you can go seek out these um, maybe not quite so popular, as it were, news sources and, and get more truth out. Now, the, uh, there's a pe- newspaper in Israel, mm-hmm. uh, Australia. Places like that, you have to go to balance and see what's going on. Well, we're way out of time. Thank you so much for joining us today for another edition of A Plain Answer. I'm Dan Elmendorf. This entire episode is up on our website. Check it out, RedeemerBroadcasting.org. In the studio with me has been Dr. John Vance. Quick reminder, please join us again next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. 